Welcome to What's Working in Washington. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Today, DC Inno looks ahead to 2018. You can focus on your launch party all day long, but at the end of the day, you need to be like heads down thinking about your business instead of like who's going to show up to the launch and brand recognition. If you really want to know what's going on in DC Tech, you subscribe to the Beat newsletter. It is a great resource that I enjoy. We're now joined by Sam Saban, the market lead for DCNO, and the one-man band, one-woman band who makes that content that makes the market sing. We want to talk with her about what 2018 is looking like for tech. Sam, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Well, 2017 was a very interesting year, and I'm sure we'll touch on that in a moment. But let's start with 2018. As you come into the new year, what are you thinking uh, 2018 is going to look like for the D.C. tech community? You know, part of me wants to say we're going to see a lot of the same, uh, maybe a bit more IPOs, a bit more exits. But I feel like it's going to be the same sort of thing where people are being acquired. You're going to have like the slow moving, slow growth, maybe not slow growth, but the little baby startup are still going to be on the grind, like doing what they're doing. And I think it's going to be much of the same that we saw in 2017. We see acquisitions, exits, et cetera. My sense, Sam, is, is that the big lesson 2017 for me was 2017 was the year when we learned that self-promotion and arm-waving uh, is not what it takes to grow a business when we look at some of the successes in 2017 and some of the, the failures. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would agree with that, I think. And that's a big reason why I think it's going to be much of the same for 2018. I think in 2017, what you saw is the people who actually took their time, thought out their business decisions and how they're going to grow. They're the ones that saw success. Appian actually IPO'd and they've been around for about two decades now, just quietly grinding. And now they're one of the most successful tech IPOs from 2017. And you can say the same thing about EverFi. They landed a $190 million round Roughly, yeah. with so many big names attached to it. And Mapbox got, I think it was $164 million with SoftBank, like, you know, not a name that you just toss aside. Um, mm -hmm. They've all kind of done it just by slow and steady, thinking about where they want to grow, what they want to do. And they're not really out there being like, hello, I'm EverFi, like, look at me, which is, I think that's the big lesson. It's like the people who actually do sit down and think about it and are quiet and heads down. They're the ones that are seeing success in D.C. Unlike, in say, uh, say, a 1776 or a number of the startups we saw over the last couple of years that did a lot of promotion, but turned out yeah. not to really have a clear business plan. Yeah. I mean, you could say that about 1776 and Benjamin's desk. They're now merging. For me, it looks like a kind of clear-cut merger. I'm not in the most popular opinion, I guess, for that. Right. But I mean, I think that's kind of a common thread is that a lot of people saw 1776 as this place that was going to be a hub for DC tech companies. And then they launched in 2013. And by 2017, they're in places like Dubai and New York. And like no one quite understood where they were going and why in such a short period of time they were globalizing so quickly. You could focus on your launch party all day long, but at the end of the day, you need to be like heads down thinking about your business instead of like who's going to show up to the launch and brand recognition. Yeah, I mean, I think in a lot of ways what's happened is this next generation of entrepreneurs has, has figured out what I think the older entrepreneurs learned the last, you know, the last go around, the last internet bubble is that there's no substitute for finding customers and growing revenue. And that if you sit around waiting for venture capital to fall from the sky, you're completely missing the boat. Yeah, you actually have to work for it, right. <laughs> like, yeah. which um, I think DC overall has been pretty good at knowing that. I think that's kind of why DC has the reputation that it does. You know, we have our federal government backbone where we're kind of slow and super diligent. Maybe we don't take as many risks as like 
Silicon Valley does, but it works out well for us um, in a lot of cases to just actually be diligent and think through. One of the things that has struck me, Sam, is is that, you know, I started investing in in, uh, internet companies back in the early aughts. And it seems to me now with all the concentration of power and Facebook and Google and, and Apple and so forth, that the whole thing of setting up social media startups is sort of, that's done. I mean, at least it feels that way to me. Where do you see, where are you seeing the most interest now among the young entrepreneurs that you're working with? What are they excited about right now? The thing that comes to mind right now, just um, AR and VR, just the ways that you're seeing things like virtual reality play out. I mean, you can talk about the um, players that are kind of more consuming facing, so uh, are consumer facing. So you have Notion Theory. I think the last time I talked to them, they were working on basically a glove that you can wear so that when you're in VR, you can feel and like actually simulate what's happening. And last I talked to them, it was several, um, it was like the middle of 2016. They had these grand ideas of developing that further into boots and a whole body suit, um, which is just wild. Um, but you can just think about that in so many different ways in terms of what VR and AR can actually do for the future. And I guess consumer facing products are the most accessible ways to think about it. Just, yeah, it's like kind of hard to think about how it can actually change the world, but it can. <laughs> I think it's really yeah. cool. I see a lot of impact investing opportunities in this, in this market as yeah. well. So many of the listeners of the show are also in the federal government. Do you get the sense that, um, uh, the younger entrepreneurs are, have a greater appreciation of the opportunities to work with the federal government than, say, they did three or four years ago? My sense is from all the interviews I do, you know, I always try to ask the question, why are you in D.C.? Like, you're a random app, you're a random, like, VR company, ed tech, et cetera. And most of the times because the regulators are here. Um, and so I think people know the value of having the federal government so close, no matter where their politics are, their ideologies, or what's happening with policy, they recognize that like being close to the regulators is always going to help them when they're trying to figure out how to grow and work with the federal government and make sure they're you know legal <laughs> in what they do. Yeah, so. I, I see that a lot too. In fact, if you look at a lot of the most successful startups in our region, they they do run that overlay. So last thing before I let you go, my sense is that entrepreneurs here are much more mission-focused than Silicon Valley. Do you see that? Oh, yes. Um, that is one of my favorite things about the D.C. tech and innovation scene, whatever term you want to use for it, um, is that no matter what they're doing, people always are doing it for, like, a greater good, quote-unquote. Like, they're not doing it because they, like, them and their buddies were in a garage and they're like, what if we made an app to make my life easier? They're doing it because they're like, art isn't accessible or people should be able to build a website and it's more about access and making sure that people could live their lives and use technology to benefit them instead of using it because like they don't want to go cook food or (laughs) get their food or (laughs) if you want to know the beat the heartbeat of dc tech make sure you follow sam saban mark and lead for dcnf sam thanks for joining us thanks so much Thanks for listening to What's Working in Washington. A special thanks to our sponsor, Eagle Bank. How do you get to be number one in the D.C. area? Eagle Bank did it by putting relationships first. They're flexible, involved, responsive, strong, and trusted. Eagle Bank's goal is your success.
Our executive producer is Tracy Madigan. Our online writer is Barbara Ulrich. Music provided by two DC region bands, Two Car Living Room and The Sunbathers. And let us know who you think we should be talking to on the show. Tweet us at, at What's Working DC. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Thanks for listening. <laughs>